Greetings, citizens of Earth. My name is Bridget Ryan. Welcome to my podcast, Mailman. Yep, come on. That's one small step for mail. Mail. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the mail. In this podcast, I discuss and analyze mail of the past, present, and future. Let's begin. 1959. A movie ticket costs $1. Alaska and Hawaii are admitted as the 49th and 50th state, and Fidel Castro comes to power in Cuba. In 1959, America finds itself deep in the Cold War. Communism, fear, mystery, deception. Is your neighbor secretly a communist? Is your wife secretly a communist? Are you secretly a communist? All of these questions create a cloud, a cloud of uncertainty, yet rising above it. Is that a bird? A plane? No, it's a missile. Fret not, humans. This is not a missile sent from your enemies to ensure your death but rather a harmless one sent by the United States Postal Service. This is Missile Mail. You've got mail. Let's rewind a bit. As documented by William Langman III, the first verified attempts at missile or rocket mail took place in 1928 by Frederick Schmeidel in Austria. Schmeidel successfully launched a ground rocket carrying a souvenir letter in June of that year. Another European associated with rocket mail was Gerhard Zucker, whose personality matched that of a rocketeer and showman. From 1931 to 1933, Zucker traveled around Germany with his rockets, creating public interest in rocket mail, but only achieving little success in actually getting them off the ground. His best effort in Germany was a well-publicized launch in April 1933, in which the rocket made it a grand total of 50 feet. Meanwhile in India, missile mail was spearheaded by Stephen Hector Taylor Smith. As a secretary of the Indian Air Mail Society, Smith began experimenting with rockets on September 30, 1934. Over the course of the next decade, he launched over 270 rockets, more than 80 of which carried mail. Smith's experiments included the first rocket mail parcel flight, which contained cigarettes and a toothbrush. On June 29, 1935, he launched the first rocket mail flight to carry live animals, a chicken and a hen named Adam and Eve. They somehow both survived the flight. Now let's head over to the United States of America, where we will stay for the remainder of this story. In crossing the threshold of rocket mail, Anne Bridges and Russell Clement discuss attempts by the American Legion Post to launch their own rocket. On July 2, 1936, members of the ALP in Texas fired a rocket loaded with mail from McAllen, Texas, aiming for the nearby Mexican border. The first rocket blew up midair, sending its contents raining down. Yet this failed attempt did not deter this group, and they tried again. The second rocket landed in a cantina in Mexico, luckily not hurting anyone. The Mexican government confiscated the rocket and its contents, much to the disappointment of avid mail fans who were not able to access the rocket's contents until 20 years later. Although several amateur attempts at this form of communication followed the next decade or so, serious advancements were not made. According to the Smithsonian National Postal Museum, in 1959 the Post Office Department, which was the predecessor of the current United States Postal Service, began searching for faster and more innovative ways to deliver mail. Finally, on June 8th, the first attempt at missile mail was conducted. A Regulus missile was fired from the U.S. Navy submarine USS Barbaro, located in the Atlantic Ocean, and targeted at the Naval Auxiliary Air Station at the Naval Station Mayport in Florida. 
Don't worry, the nuclear warhead was removed before the flight took place. 22 minutes and approximately 100 miles after its launch, the missile struck its target. What was the missile carrying, you might ask? Well, let's ask the United States Postmaster General at this time, Arthur Ellsworth Summerfield. Mr. Summerfield, welcome. Hello, thank you. Please refer to me as General Summerfield, though. My apologies, General Summerfield. Thank you for stopping by and talking with me today. Of course, I may have died in 1972, but whenever someone talks about missile mail, I can't help but come by. Let me just start by saying that, as a huge fan of mail, your work in the industry has always intrigued me. Thank you, son. It's always nice to be recognized by the next generation of mailmen. So you were the Postmaster General from 1953 to 1961, correct? Yes, I was the PG for several years, appointed by my trusted comrade, President Dwight D. Eisenhower. So, I have to ask, why a rocket? What led you to that form of transportation? Well, let, let me begin by saying that when I took over the Postal Service, it was very outdated. In 1953, they were still sorting and processing mail by hand. It was sluggish and laborious, but people were content, you know. I tried to shake things up to no avail. So then I said to myself, I, I, I said, Arthur Ellsworth Summerfield, you have two choices. You can stick with the status quo and be a postmaster general that history does not remember, or, or you can change the very game of mail itself, cementing yourself in history for eternity. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story, am I right? Right. So take me through your thought process when planning missile mail. It was my goal to modernize the mail industry, to make it bigger and better than ever before, to show the country and the world what the United States Postal Service, the USPS, could achieve. What better way to show our country's strength, ingenuity, and modernization than by using a rocket to transport mail? It would take mere hours for mail to travel from one end of the country to the other. To me, it wasn't a question of if missile mail would be done, it was when, and by whom. It was only a matter of time before the Soviet Union or Cuba or another communist nation would start using it. So I took on that responsibility. Speaking of the Soviet Union, do you think this launch had anything to do with the space race that was underway during 1959? The Soviet Union did launch Sputnik in 1957. No, 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 no! This wasn't about Sputnik. This was about the future. Missile Mao was the future. Let it be known throughout the galaxy that I, Arthur Ellsworth Summerfield, got mail in a missile ten years before man walked on the moon. Ten years! That's true. That's a fact. But one could argue that man on the moon is a bit more impressive than mail in a missile. Listen here, Sonny. I was the real hidden figure of this time period. People don't give me enough credit for the steps I took for this country. Well, well it, it might be because there was only one attempt at missile mail. It was never used after June 8th, 1959. An outrage, if you ask me. An outrage. I became the laughing stock of the USPS after that. I'm sorry about that. Do you think your project was hindered by the fact that delivering mail by airplane, airmail if you will, was already in use? Airmail transported mail across the Atlantic in a day, so there wasn't a real necessity for a rocket. It's that kind of limited thinking that restricts creativity and growth. What if every inventor had said that to themselves when they were on the brink of something beautiful and new? What if Frankenstein had said that about his monster? What if the Wright brothers had said that to their airplanes? What if Greta Gerwig had said that to herself before writing and directing Lady Bird? Interesting examples, sir. But sadly, that's all the time we have. Thank you so I'd much. I'd like to say one more thing before I leave. 
For the eight years I served as Postmaster General, I revolutionized the industry. Yet there is no national holiday celebrating me, no monument erected in my honor, no hit Oscar-winning film about me starring Ryan Gosling or Octavia Spencer, no Lin-Manuel Miranda musical about my life, my work, my triumphs, failures. Ask yourself this, where would you be now without Miss O'Mail? More importantly, where would you be without Postmaster General Arthur Ellsworth Summerfield? And another question. Goodbye, General. Again, that was Postmaster General Arthur Ellsworth Summerfield. For a man who's been dead for several decades, but who sure does keep up with pop culture. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. You've got mail. Today's episode and every episode of Mailman is brought to you by the United States Postal Service. The USPS is an independent agency of the United States federal government responsible for providing postal service. Rain, snow, angry dogs, or shine, the good people of the USPS are here to hand-deliver Amazon packages to your door. Until mail becomes obsolete, and drones and robots take over everything we hold dear and destroy us all in burning flames. And also, Jewel Osco. Use the promo code MAILMAN2018 for 10% off your next purchase of $50 or more. Restrictions may apply. Jewel Osco. Good things are just around the corner. You've got mail. As he just showed, Summerfield had a flair for the dramatics. The USPS states that his missile contained 3,000 letters, and every single one of them was identical. They were addressed to President Eisenhower, Vice President Richard Nixon, top federal officials, all members of Congress, Supreme Court justices, U.S. governors, and postmaster generals from around the world. A real who's who in the mail industry. The beginning of the letter read, Your receipt of this letter marks a historic milestone in the use of guided missiles for communications between the peoples of the Earth. And the letter ended with, the great progress being made in guidelessness will be utilized in every practical way in the delivery of the United States mail. You can be certain that the post office department will continue to cooperate with the defense department to achieve this objective. Signed, Arthur E. Summerfield. Surprisingly, the only objections to this missile came from devout stamp collectors, who sent letters to Summerfield enraged that they had not been warned about the historic step for mankind. <laughs> Sadly, the hopes and dreams that Summerfield had for the future of missile mail would never come to fruition. The Department of Defense saw the attempt as a demonstration of U.S. missile capabilities, not a viable mode to transport mail. Additionally, the cost was far too expensive, and since air mail could cross the Atlantic Ocean less than a day at this time, it was truly not needed. At the time, Summerfield said missile mail was a peaceful mode of mail transportation. Personally, I don't think anything involving a missile can be described as peaceful, and the United States government did not intend for it to be seen that way, too. In the midst of the Cold War, the use of a missile and its accuracy was a way to show the country's military strength and its capability of using this weapon and using it well. Nancy Pope of the Smithsonian Museum stated, Unlike secret tests, a mail-carrying missile test would publicly display the accuracy and reliability of U.S. missiles. A part of me wonders whether Summerfield knew the true meaning behind his missile mail, or if he was blindly optimistic that its main purpose was just for mail modernization. I like to imagine that Summerfield did not know about the military connotations of his rocket. He stated after its success that, Before man reaches the moon, mail will be delivered within hours from New York to California to Britain to India or Australia by guided missiles. We stand on the threshold of rocket mail. And so for a brief moment in time, Arthur Ellsworth Summerfield did stand on that threshold of rocket mail. One could say that he was, and remains, the original Rocket Man. I'm Bridget Ryan. Thank you for listening to Mailman. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. The touchdown brings me round and get to find a 
Papa, 